1: Do you know you're serious, Black? And I say, i Gary Oldman, was <laughs> i serious.
0: Like I saw it, yeah.
1: I saw it. This you? This you?
0: This you? This you? This you?
2: Hi, I'm Rachel Hampton. And I'm Madison Malone-Kircher. You're listening to ICYMI. In case you missed it. Slate's podcast about internet culture.
0: Madison, it's time we finally settled this. What are we settling exactly? How the fuck do you pronounce the nickname for National Novel Writing Month? Is it Nano... Remo? Nano Nanowrimo. <laughs> Rachel, this isn't that hard. You say that, and yet I can never remember which one of us goes first at the top of each
2: episode, despite the fact it never changes from week to week. National Novel Writing Month. <sighs> Rimo.
0: Okay, well, however it's pronounced, it's right now. National Novel and Writing Month has, like, a very long history on the internet. I think it was started in 1999, And the goal is basically to write 50,000 words of a new novel in a month. I didn't realize the new part. Like, you have to start from scratch. You can't just tinker away at, like, a work in progress.
2: I will show my ass here and admit that I failed this year on day three. Uh, If you break down (laughs) 50,000 words in a month, you basically are writing 1,700 words a day.
0: Oh, my God. Well, according to the website, you go in boys and you come out men. (laughs) Participants enter the month as elementary school teachers, mechanics, or stay-at-home parents, and they leave novelist. Except for Madison. I entered as a podcast host. I'm leaving just the same. I hope. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, next week we'll have a new
2: host. In celebration of National Novel Writing Month, we've asked you all to send us the first line of your novel, and as usual, uh, the ICYMI guys delivered. First up, we have Michelle.
1: Hi, ICYMI. This is Michelle, and this is the first line of my NaNoWriMo project. This will be my year. I can feel it, I declare, while I fucking the birthday cake I picked out for myself earlier that day.
2: Two things. One, you'll note, Michelle can pronounce Nanorimo. Damn, I'm never going to live that down, am I? No, you're not. The other thing is, I fucking a birthday cake is a, uh... I felt that.
0: That is extremely relatable content. But Madison, how do you think this How do you think story is going to end? Do you really think it's going to be her year? Oh,
2: happy ending, 100%.
0: Oh, wow. I was thinking no. Anytime someone says it's going to be their year, it's never their fucking year.
2: <laughs> I'm thinking, like, raunchy little rom-com. Darkly humorous, happy ending. In the end, he realizes it was you all along. Don't cry, shop girl. That kind of story. Okay,
0: maybe I'm just projecting because I said at the top of 2020 that it was going to be my year and it was not.
2: Wow, and that happened only to you. So that must have been really hard. It was really hard for me specifically. I don't know if you understand. <laughs> all right, well, I am rooting for the birthday cake I fucker. Who else do we have? Next up, we
0: have one from James who DM'd us on Twitter. Scott never fully appreciated the inevitability of King of Prussia's gravitational pull as a child. That's a mall, right? I have a lot of questions. Wait, what, the King of Prussia or
2: gravitational pull? I know that gravitational pull is not a mall. I think King of Prussia is a mall. Is it? I thought we were talking about the actual King of Prussia. No. (laughs) <laughs> I was like, oh, a historical fiction novel. <laughs> it's a mall in Pennsylvania.
0: Oh my god, wow, I want to read this even more now.
2: <laughs> James, great opener. We have questions, we need more information.
0: Madison, who's up next?
2: Our next submission comes from a listener whose pen name is Ivy Peregrine.
1: Hey, Icy, why am I? I loved your podcast. I am finishing a science fiction romance novel this month. Here is its first line. I'll fuck any interested adult with artistic talent. It's true. Thank you. I don't remember if you're allowed to be explicit on your podcast, but <laughs> happy Nano NaNoWriMo.
2: Ivy, thank you so fucking much.
0: Next up, we have another DM from Skeletalexa, whose first line of their novel is, When Idony awoke, the flies were humming. This sounds like a horror novel to me,
2: Oh, see, I was thinking, like, animated birds, beginning up Snow White, opening credits of Grease. Like, the flies are Idney's friends.
0: Okay, I feel like if they're friends, they should pick a better bug. You know, like a, a bee, a butterfly, a caterpillar.
2: Flies are, like, I don't know. I don't like them. <laughs> our next submission comes from one of our colleagues, actually. This voice memo is from Shayna. There is nothing more depressing than Christmas lights on a 1950s craftsman in mid-January.
0: I don't know, mid-January? How long does Taylor Swift leave up her Christmas lights?
2: We can leave the Christmas lights up till January. <laughs> Taylor Allison Swift said so.
0: And our last submission is one that Madison is convinced is a joke, but I deeply want to be real. This one is from Sam, who's the first line of their novel is, on the night he was
2: cursed, Gritty could feel the Philly air shiver on his fur. <laughs> Sam, I love it. Yeah. I do not believe this was in earnest.
0: I really hope it is, and I really hope, Sam, that you stuck through
2: the entire month. Please send me your novel at the beginning of December. Best of luck to everyone who is still on their path to meet their goal and complete NaNoWriMo. You're a better person than me.
0: Truly, Godspeed to every single one of y'all. And, okay, I'm going to be honest. I've always thought maybe one day I would do National Novel Writing Month. But the thing I remember about it most is from... Madison, just plug your ears. I know. Every time. I remember from from Tumblr because all the fan fiction writers would take (laughs) the month off to write their novel, which meant that November was just fucking
2: desolate on (laughs) on my dashboard i i am feeling a similar amount of despair right this moment
0: (laughs) one day you'll understand how much tumblr means to me this episode actually has nothing to do with tumblr much to madison's joy and contentment or at least not a lot to do with tumblr because it's me (laughs) okay then why are we invoking tumblr at all rachel because way back in august the dog days of summer, we received an email from a listener that I I quite literally screamed at. I think I screenshot it and immediately sent it to you and was just like, Madison, this is directly from my brain. <laughs>
2: <laughs> this is another way of saying, we're bringing back red receipts. Red receipts. I said what I said, and it rhymes with said. Rhyming is not the indicator of what's right here. <laughs>
0: Today on the show, we're going to be talking about an absolutely massive 500,000-word Harry Potter fanfiction. Yes, 500,000 words, half a million, by the name of all the young dudes. That is currently the most popular fanfic on the fanfic website Archive of Our Own. It has over 4 million hits as of the time of recording. And why are
2: people so obsessed with this particular fic?
0: Okay, as someone who is also obsessed with this particular fic... It's just, it's a really good and well-written fic. Like, that's just the baseline. But also, over the past year, it's kind of become a part of canon in the fandom. Like, more so than J.K. Rowling saying that Dumbledore is gay. Like, that is more canon than that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That is retconning and not canon.
0: Exactly. And in the process, it's managed to create a fandom of its own that spanned Twitter, TikTok, YouTube... And yes, Tumblr.
2: I guess it is only fair that we talk about this since you did let me go full tinfoil hat Swifty last week. So don't go anywhere and we'll be right back. A
1: rap talk, not about a suicide I'd kick it in the head when he was 25. Speed
2: Don't want say alive.
0: Split screen, Kid Nation, a six-part podcast from CBC. Available now.
2: And we're back with another edition of Red Receipts. Red Receipts. I want to see the receipts. Hello, my name is Rachel. I've been a fan of the show for many months and multiple times a day. I think of a TikTok or something I want to send your way. But this is my first time writing or calling in. Uh, this is a little bit inspired by the book talk episode, and I wanted to share another part of the internet, and for me, TikTok specifically, that's taken over my life in the last year. And it's a fan fiction called All the Young Dudes by Miss King Bean 89 which is on Archive of Our Own. And I know it's grown to encompass more than just TikTok and is on Twitter and Instagram and, of course, Tumblr. I didn't think I'd be returning to Harry Potter fan roots and making TikToks about it as a 26-year-old, especially with JKR's turfiness and general issues, but pandemics do take you to weird places. Rachel, I'm not convinced you didn't send this email yourself. Not least (laughs) of all because this listener's name is also Rachel. And I feel like this is the moment I need to say, we have reached carrying capacity for Rachel's allowed to be affiliated (laughs) with this show. Truly. Pick another name, people. I'm begging. I'm also not convinced I didn't send this. Honestly, the only thing that convinced
0: me I didn't send this was hearing her voice because that's not my voice. I literally have a a note in my phone from April 2021 that just says all the young dudes slash Miss Kingmean89 on the podcast. That's the only thing the note says. Where do we start? Let's start at the beginning. What is all the young dudes? I mean, it's a song. Even I can obviously. answer that one. I feel like that's... Great, I'm glad you know. It's recorded by Mop the Hoople, but it was written by David Bowie. In the context of the show, it's currently the most popular fan fiction on the platform archive of our own, which we've discussed in previous episodes. Currently it has over four point three million hits. The next most popular fan fiction has over two million, so it's popular by a pretty significant degree.
2: When did it start publishing? It first
0: started publishing in like March 2017. There are 188
2: chapters.
0: <laughs> so it is half the length of the original, <laughs> original
2: series. Follow-up question, how many adverbs are in it? If I could count that high, I wouldn't be doing this job. <laughs> <laughs> this is a dumb question, but I'm going to be the one to ask it mm-hmm. so no one else listening has to. This is a Harry Potter <laughs> fan fiction, correct? Yes, it is.
0: But to be exact, it's a Marauders
2: era fanfic, which is basically, I know you're going to ask, what is that? I was going to say, <laughs> I solemnly swear I know this answer, but would you lay it out for us Ooh, just, just for fun? I do know
0: some things. But it's basically the era in the Harry Potter universe where Harry's parents attended Hogwarts. The Marauders refer specifically to Harry's father, James, Sirius Black, Raymond Soupin, and Peter Pettigrew. So
2: are we to assume those are the young dudes? Yes, they are, in
0: fact. All the young dudes. What's next? So, Marauders era fanfic is actually one of the more popular subgenres within the Harry Potter fandom. And within that subgenre, there's Wolfstar, which is the ship name for Remus Lupin and Sirius Black.
2: Okay, Remus Lupin is a werewolf, and Siri Oh, that's a console. Is it because he's a star? Wolf star? Did I get it? Yes. Great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nail on this. Yes.
0: So that's the context of all the young dudes. Again, over the course of 188 chapters, this fic basically, like, charts relationship between Remus and Sirius, and also, like, James and Peter and the rest of the Marauders from their very first year at Hogwarts to, like, the end of Prisoner of Azkaban. For reference, that's, like the years 1971 to 1995. So it's it's a long fic, <laughs> clearly.
2: Rachel, when did you get into Harry Potter fan fiction?
0: Well, other Rachel made a really good point, which is that the pandemic takes you to some weird places. I read this in 2020 in, I would say, actually around the election <laughs> because I was living at home and when you live at home for longer than three weeks, you regress into a teenager. And... I actually hadn't read any Harry Potter fan fiction before that year. It wasn't really what I was into when I was a teenager. But I I kept seeing this fan fiction pop up. And I was like, I'm not reading a 500,000 word fan fiction. And then I was like, I'm going to read the first two chapters of this 500,000 word fan fiction. And then fast forward two weeks and I'm obsessed and literally skipping meetings at work to read this fan fiction. If my boss is listening to this. I'm lying right now. I'm about to ask you an impossible question. Yeah. Quickly,
2: loosely, what is it about?
0: It's basically a slow burn, not the podcast by Slate that you should listen to, but like a slow burn relationship between Remus and Sirius, basically told from the perspective of Remus, who is a werewolf. And so it kind of explores this interesting, like cross marginalization of Remus as a gay man in 1970s Britain, and Remus as a werewolf in the Wizarding Society, and also a lot of like class-based stuff, which is a kind of dynamic that JKR hints at in her books, but this fic kind of very much plays with and explores. And the beautiful thing about fan fiction to me is that it writes people into a universe that maybe otherwise wouldn't have been there or have been given short shrift And I think that Wolfstar, the relationship between Remus and Sirius, falls into both those
2: categories.
0: (laughs) Because, like, J.K.R. basically pretends queer people don't exist. What do you mean? Dumbledore was
2: gay the whole time. Didn't you see it? (sighs) Of course.
0: Of course. And Hermione was black. (laughs) Of course. J.K. Rowling also just left one of the most interesting dynamics in the fucking book completely unexplored. Like, I feel like most people don't know this, but, like, Harry's parents were, like, 20 and 21 when they died. Like, they were children fighting war, as were, like, Sirius and Lupin. And so the Marauders-era fan fiction kind of explores this dynamic of losing all your friends to war and or thinking your best friend slash lover has killed them. And just tell me... That isn't right for exploration. Also, like, class and marginalization.
2: Like, Miss King being 89 did what she needed to do. (laughs) I feel like first we should mention that uh, J.K. Rowling did not, in fact, write Harry Potter. Daniel Radcliffe did. uh, Because J.K. Rowling has Mm -hmm. since revealed herself to be uh, a big old transphobe. And we will have none of that here on the show. Does that factor into this fic? So the
0: fandom kind of dealt with that in a very interesting way to me in that a lot of fanfic writers after J.K.R.'s transphobe turn happened all put at the top of their fic, like, I do not support her. Like, this fic exists outside that narrative. And a lot of Harry Potter fanfiction is queer anyway. Well, yeah, magic is gay. Sorry. Hate to burst your bubble. Objectively. That's also one of the best things about fanfiction to me, which is the way that it kind of reclaims IP from the authors when the authors are shitty which
2: jkr is we're gonna take a brief break here so that rachel can take a drink of water so she's prepared to say the word marauders about 17 more times and when we come back we're gonna get into people who are just as obsessed (laughs) with this fanfic And we're back. Do you remember during our
0: book talk episode where I explained how TikTok basically controls the New York Times bestseller
2: chart now? I do recall. In between, lots of discussions of aliens with a breeding kink. Yes, you did mention something about that. I'm glad to remember that part. They don't just do this with
0: like actual published works. They also do this with fan fictions, and it, boy, did they do it with all the young dudes. As we said in that episode, book talk... Fan fiction talk all blew up over the pandemic because everyone was home, everyone was depressed, everyone needed a bit, little bit of comfort. And so a lot of people returned to their roots, which includes fan fiction. So I would say that all the young dudes had its moment in like the second year of the pandemic, starting around the winter, which makes a lot of sense to me. That
2: tracks. So walk us through the timeline.
0: Yeah, so the fic finishes publishing in November, 2018. By mid-2019, it has like a hundred thousand hits. Okay. Twenty twenty one is when shit kinda <laughs> goes say less completely <laughs> wild. Yeah. So January 2021, it had just under a million hits. And that same month, a Twitter account is created called All the Young Dudes Bot. I feel like you've seen these bots before, right? They just like tweet a single line from a poet or a book or a musician. Anyway, the All The Young Dudes bot has just over 10,000 followers, which is, like, pretty good for... It's a fan fiction. (laughs) So between March of this year and November of this year, it exploded. There are now YouTube reviews of this fic. People have taken it upon themselves to read it for audiobooks. It has almost 9,000 ratings on Goodreads and a 4.82 star review, which a lot of authors would kill for. That's unheard of. And obviously there are hundreds of posts in the Tumblr tag, which includes like some phenomenal fan art. Tell me about what's going on over on TikTok. I feel like I need to make this context clear once again. All the Young Dudes fandom is a fandom within a fandom within a fandom. It is like incredibly niche, but it's also massively popular. Like the All the Young Dudes hashtag on TikTok has 687 million views. The spinoff hashtag, All The Young Dudes TikTok has 45 million views in and of itself. You're gonna play some for us, right? Of course. So here's a pretty popular TikTok under the All The Young Dudes hashtag that I think is pretty exemplary or something that's like one of my favorite things about this fandom within a fandom within a fandom. I have a lot of favorite things about this because I love this shit. So what's happening in this video is a series of clips of... Madison, you know what fan casting is? What's fan casting? I mean, it's pretty much exactly what it sounds like. It's when fans cast a movie for a, a book. And so oh, this is what
2: I do when this, I'm drunk. Great.
0: Yeah, you fan cast all the time. So this particular fan cast features Andrew Garfield as Remus, Ben Barnes as Sirius, Aaron Taylor-Johnson is James and Dane DeHaan is Peter. They're fan casting a fan fiction, to be clear. But what's hilarious to me is that somehow the majority of the Marauders fandom has settled on these four actors as the dream cast, which is wild because fan casting is usually extremely contentious. Madison, this has become such a thing. That the fan casting has even made its way to Ben Barnes himself. Prince Caspian, please, please put some respect on his name. (laughs) I feel like he's done other things. But here's Ben Barnes responding to this.
1: People always (laughs) say, do you know you're serious Black? And I say, Gary Oldman was still. I saw
2: it. Yeah,
1: I saw it.
2: Are there other typical TikTok trends we see for all the young dudes on TikToks that don't involve fan casting? There are a lot of hilarious memes like this one
1: Cuz after all this time I'm still into you. I should be over all the
0: So this video basically what's happening is this guy is looking at his immaculately organized bookshelf and on the screen reads meets all the unread books that have been sitting on my shelf for months and so then the bass drops And the caption reads, me starting to read a 500k word fanfic instead, obviously referring to all the young dudes. And he's holding his laptop and kind of dancing around his room and then eventually turns the laptop around so that it faces the camera and you can see the archive of our own page, which if you spent any time on that website is extremely recognizable because it's just kind of this HTML basic function website that I've spent a lot of time on. All right. What else you got? This is the part that I've been most excited to tell you
2: about. There's a theory <laughs> that Taylor Swift wrote this fan fiction. Taylor Swift truly wrote King Lear in quarantine. So I would believe it. But why?
0: I think part of it is that Miss King Bean 89. Oh, Yeah, I think the, the hashtag is Miss Swift Bean 89. Like that is the the, the hashtag they're using for this conspiracy theory.
1: What's something weird about the Harry Potter fandom that lives rent-free in your head? The fact that there is a subsection dedicated to a theory that Taylor Allison Swift, a world-renowned singer-songwriter, wrote a novel about the Marauders that became basically law ab that era, like she would go home after the VMAs or the Grammys or a stadium tour.
2: I mean, as we all know, I am here for a Taylor Swift conspiracy theory, but this one might even be a a bridge too far for me.
0: So that is one of the funnier trends in the All The Young Dudes hashtag. Thank you for taking it there for me. You're welcome. And now back to what I care about. There's this trend that happened around December 2020, which is actually around when I first discovered All The Young Dudes TikTok. Like, I read the fic and I was like, I clearly must search out more content for this because I'm obsessed and distraught. And every time I watch Prisoner of Azkaban, I start crying a little bit. But around 2020, people were buying fully printed out in binded versions of this fanfiction and posting the unboxing video. Here's an example of that. It's just a song, but on the screen, this girl, like, holds up this beautifully binded... It kind of looks like a dissertation. Are the people who are
2: printing out those manuscripts
0: selling them, though? No, they're not. So... Uh. Basically, King Kingbean89, she's not selling copies. She's not making any money from this. So it's literally just people spending their own money on it. So it doesn't violate any copyright law, which I think brings us to the wildest thing about this. There's a lot of wild things, which is this fan fiction is so fucking popular. It's spawned a fandom bigger than some completely original content. Netflix would pay for this kind of engagement. But there's literally no way for Miss King being 89 to in any way profit from it without potentially running afoul of a lawsuit with JKR. I kind of love that. I mean, same. Like, there's no financial incentive here. So the popularity is entirely organic and grassroots in a way that I think there... I mean, I feel like every single time we have an episode about something that's going viral, it comes back to capitalism
2: and this doesn't because there's no way to make money from it i do have one last question so no one knows who ms king bean 89 is is this like an elena ferrante situation where people actually know or do people really not know who this writer is
0: people really don't know who she is like someone obviously knows who she is because someone's getting in contact to translate all the young dudes into like 19 languages at this point But she has not come out publicly. She hasn't really answered a lot of questions beyond saying, yes, you can print out the book. No, don't repost it to another fucking fan fiction site. My honestly one goal in life, you know how you want to find that grape smashing lady from that local news segment? Ow, ow, ow. Yes. Yes, I do. (laughs) That's me with Miss Kingbean 89 So if you are listening to this, A, I love you. B, please, please, please
2: email me. (laughs) All right, that's the show. We'll be back in your feed on Wednesday, so subscribe. We're free. Well, we might be busy, but the show's free. And the best <laughs> way to make sure you never miss an episode is to subscribe. Leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends about us. Tell your fanfic friends about us. You can follow us on Twitter at icymi_pod. underscore pod. You can also drop us a note at ICYMI at Slate.com.
0: ICYMI is produced by Daniel Schrader and Jasmine Ellis. Our supervising producer is Derek John. We are edited by Forrest Wickman and Legra Frank. And Alicia Montgomery is executive producer of Slate Podcast. And a special shout out to Amber Smith. See you online. Or on the Marauder's Map. Also, I would just like to say I love every single one of the Rachels sisters to this podcast, but I am the supreme Rachel. I don't think they'd argue. <laughs>